Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the mega city metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony. This is episode 241, and I'm very, very happy to have back in the cave, good friend of the show, my, I don't know if the if the term is correct, my intercontinental podcasting partner. Are we intercontinental? I would say so. I think we are. Yeah. yeah let's say we are. There you hear the voice. It's Mr. Dave Molyneux. Dave, welcome <laughs> back. How's it going? Hello. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> Pretty good. That's good. Keeping out of trouble, you good? I'm, I'm trying my best. It, uh, amongst the the summertime coming, the warm weather, and all the wonderful things life has to offer us from time to time, I'm doing my best. How about yourself? Not bad. So you know what? For the first time in a long time, I got a chance to go in a comic shop. Um, it's quite far away. It's quite, it's, it's quite a journey to get to one. Well, it's a fair enough journey, especially if you don't drive. I got to go in a comic shop and I bought stuff I didn't need. It was great. <laughs> the best feeling in the world. I cannot Isn't wait. It, yeah, we have um, curbside pickup still in our city. And uh, every now and then I'll go by the shop or a bookstore that I frequent and pick up something. But it's not, not even remotely close to the same experience no. as it used to no, be. No, I guess it won't be. No, because it's like an in and out thing. And the whole point of even just a bookstore is the exploring, like what you might mm. find. You never know what you might find. It's so such a magical place and the magic of it <laughs> is taken. It's like, no, just what do you need? What are you here for? It's like groceries. It's like these are books. This is food for the mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, we finally managed to find sentience. So like, I've been looking for that since... Um, I went to my first comic shop in America a couple of years ago um, in Florida. And um, I just wanted Sentient. I, I think it was Sentient I was after. Or it was one of the CKO books. Um, but I walked into this comic shop and my, my daughter's just really excited to find comics. I'm like, okay, you can just have it, whatever you want. Um, just cause, like, if you're going to love comics, then you can just have it all. Um and oh yeah, I got a copy of Sentient, and there was this part of me that went, "I'm just going to see if I can get it cheaper on like no, mm. no, just get it. You've got it in your hands. It's a little bit dinged as well because it's in a sh- it's on been on a shelf and clearly picked up a few times. But like this is just, just such a, a nice experience that really get to have even at the best of times here. But like it's been so long. Yeah, where where do you usually get your books from? Online or um, I normally order online. Yeah, they're all online, um, which is fine. And you know, I kind of managed to get everything for the cheapest possible price. Yeah. But so, like, there are a couple of shops, but they're in, like different. Like, I'm in a small town, and there's like a, another couple of cities further away that have one each. Um, a Forbidden Planet, and then there's like a really small comic shop in Winchester. Um, but I just we don't get to go, you know. It's not nearby. It's not a quick trip. It's it's a pretty major thing. Yeah. Especially if you, I don't drive. Oh no. So, okay. no. But you don't want to trust me with a car. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's for grown ups. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I'm thinking as you say that I'm like, yeah, I don't want to drive in England either. They drive on the other side of the road. No, they drive on the right side of the road. <laughs> But I'd be freaked out anyways. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, man. That, I, bet, I bet that would take some getting used to, yeah. Yeah. You would, you would probably uh, lose your mind in Toronto because just off of one subway line, you can probably get 
four different types of comic shops. And uh, yeah, it, there, there was... There was a time where I worked at a certain location in the city. It was just like the right sort of downtown, but there's the midtown and then there's that midtown in between like where the water is and where midtown is. And from there, you can you feel like you can kind of get to every nook and cranny within a 20-minute walk, 25-minute walk kind of, or you just hop on a streetcar and you're, you're there. So I would do a, a little tour on those really nice spring days where I would go to, you know, walk, we call it Young Street. They say it's the longest street in the world, but you can, I would hit Young Street and from, it's called Bluer and Young is the major intersection where it's like a subway transfer station. From there, I would hit three or four different shops that had comics in them. Some of them were used bookstores, so you would sometimes see things that you didn't know that you always wanted for cheap. You say, well, I'll give that a try for that price, for sure. And then you would go to the one that had the weekly uh, shops, uh, books, sorry, the, the shop that had like, you know, your real comic shop. We call it Silver Snail. It's kind of like um, our Midtown comics in a way. So it was just all the, yeah, it was just a, a fun day of exploring. It was pretty spoiled. I don't mean to, I'm not saying that to rub it in. But one day you're going to come, one day you'll visit uh, Canada, yes. Toronto, and I will take you to every oh, comic definitely. book shop you want to go to. Oh, you're on. Yeah. That, if you <laughs> ever come to Toronto, I'll keep that promise for you. Every shop you want. I'll okay, deal. Okay. That is a deal. You, you heard it on, oh, on, sure on the air. Yeah, this is, this is uh, there's evidence now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went out with someone quite a few years ago, and she decided to treat me one day by basically finding all the comic shops in London because he was living in London for a while and we kind of did a small tour which went, I found seven comic shops and we're going to go to all of them we're like oh my god this is going to be amazing and then literally the second one she went actually do you, know, do you mind if we just stop at maybe just three or stop after this one don't you do you have any idea what you're taking from me by doing this cruel um, I think we <laughs> about four but the, the last one was a fight like you, oh I just it's, I love it it's the whole experience it's, you know whether you can get things cheaper elsewhere now it's kind of not the point like there's a great one in Brighton and you wander in and a lot of the comics are quite battered you know I managed to get an Uncanny X-Men 137 in there I saw it it's went like okay it's a little bit worn it's not horrific I'm having it um, <laughs> I'm having that I'm having that. Um, one day, actually, there's a tr one trip to Brighton. It's Dave's Comics in Brighton, which is obviously is free apps for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we go in, we go down there, and there's just a ton of comic boxes, and you can just flick through, and it's just not an experience I have that often. So, like, it's a major event to go down there. And um, one year, I went out the night before, and I fell over after a few drinks, and I busted up my thumb. And the next morning, like, I, I can't move my hand. You're like, that's my, that's my comic sifting. <laughs> <laughs> so I was left with the choice. And I was, the girl I was going out with at the time went to me, okay, look, I really think you need to go to the hospital. Um, but you're an adult. It's up to you. Do you want to go to the hospital or do you want to go comic shopping? 
I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to read at the hospital if I don't go to the comic <laughs> shop? That's just a dumb suggestion. <laughs> Two full carrier bags of comics, but I couldn't even carry one of them because <laughs> she was pulling out all the boxes for me, and I with, with, and with one hand I'm going through like a flipper. Going through. Oh man! Dedication. Do you have any um, shows that come come nearby you or relatively near you, like Comic Con type of shows? Um, there's, I think they have one in Portsmouth, which is like the next big city from where I used to live. But I've never been. Um, I went to one in London once, but like you look at the like the San Diego and New York shows. Um, and it was just like in London in theory that would be the biggest you'd think it isn't though I think it's like Bristol or Bath I can't remember um, but it was just a bit shoddy really and there was a um, creator's alley and that was one where I met Alan Davis briefly and my heart got broken because I got so embarrassed in front of him um, but there was, there was this artist's alley and no one was down there they were literally all sat there and I was among these creators with no one remotely interested but I'm like do you understand mm-hmm. you're stood among gods <laughs> what's wrong with you um, and there's like XO1 sat there like okay fine this Ghostbusters is kind of great do you realise that's Mike Plogue you might not get to meet him <laughs> yeah ever again how often does he come to England I don't know I've never met him before in my life um, no one cares no one cares it was all I, mean, I think at that point it was starting to become a bit of a, more of an interest in MCU Related stuff. Right. If it wasn't film based, no one was interested. Right. And comics, like I said before, like they're just not as big here. So trying to get people to read comics, even if they've seen the films, like you could go and you can go and find out what story that was based on. No, no, okay. You know, it's it's a struggle, but um, yeah, it's just a bit of a weird experience, really. It's so interesting to me because. There's so much talent and so much of the work is informed from people that are from Scotland and Ireland and England. You know, the DC's big rise in the 80s was because of that. So I, I'm not, it's not to say like, wow, you got creators from there. How come you guys don't read them? But it's clear that they've made it there to inform a whole generation of wonderful mm-hmm. authors and writers. So it's not like there was a, a time, you of course got different things but there was enough of a culture that it developed some of the greatest talent, arguably, you know, so it, it surprises yeah. me. But, um, you know, in a way, Dave, when you go to a show that they're, they, they're, they're not in, you're not waiting in line to talk to someone or get something signed, that could be a dream come true. Like, I would love to be at a show like that. I was like, nobody, there was one time where it was, oh, the name is escaping me now and I feel so, John Ostrander. Yeah, John Ostrander came to Toronto and he didn't have any real bells and whistles at his table, like a big banner or anything like that. And he's just sitting there and no one is talking to him. He was reading To Kill a Mockingbird. That's how quiet (laughs) his table was. And I just went, can I can I sit and talk to you and, you know, record our conversation? He's like, yeah, sure. And. It's the things that he's worked on, the people he's worked with, the some of the. It was just before Suicide Squad was was coming out in the summer, which unfortunately sucked. But it was cool to talk to the guy that that made the team something worth you know digging through to say we've got something special here, right? 
So, yeah, sometimes it, it works in our favor for us real, real geeky guys yeah. who's like, I'll sit and talk to you. So That is true. Yeah, if you don't get starstruck, um, which yeah. obviously did that time. But next time, I'll still probably get starstruck. Uh, <laughs> that's it, just how it goes. Yeah, it happens at first. It, it, and then you realize that you, there, was, there was the year... I remember I, I was hoping, but he wasn't on the list of guests. He was a last-minute addition. Neil Adams said, I, really, I wish I would have gotten that thing signed by Neil Adams last year. And this year, I won't have much. And then he showed up, and I was like, yes, he's here. And I spent you know a good portion of my money, and then I was looking forward to talking to him, and it was a disappointment. It was a bit of a disappointment. I don't know how much you hear about like the comic book personalities there, but he's known to have like a big ego, right? He knows yeah. he's Neil Adams and there's no taking away from his contribution to the craft and, and more importantly to the rights of creators because he was the one who corrected a lot of the um, credits that should be given to the right people um, as far as in the book and then also in, in, in regards to royalties. Like he... I think he told the story that it was during the when when Superman the movie was coming out, um, Schuster and Siegel weren't even invited to the premiere. What really? Yeah, they were just pretty much penniless cartoonists. Like they didn't have any. There was no reverence really for what they had created because they sold they sold their their idea to oh, they sold the property they yeah. sold the property to get it printed right that was kind of how business was done so neil adams was the one who really fought for them to get their rights back and to be um, compensated in some capacity so yeah. a lot of a lot of what is available in in comics today is in large part due to to his uh, advocacy and and then of course his work his talent but when you sit and talk to him, um, it's like he reminds you, like, I'm smarter than you are, sort of thing. And it's like, all right, nice meeting you. <laughs> it's still really cool. It's still really cool because he's one of the last sort of quasi-celebrity comic creators, right? Like, you see him on TV. Yeah. And you see him on TV? Obviously, uh... You don't get any of that here. Um, I, the things I guess I forget he's sixties as well, isn't he? he, he? He's up there. He's up there. Yeah. I mean, like he was—he jumped on the X Men in the nineteen sixties, which I guess was what made him initially. And I could be wrong, but um, so I mean, that's—he's been doing this a long, long old time, and I don't know how many of of that generation are still around. Well, that, that's the really – and I want to say on air, thank you for helping to connect me with Stephen Mitchell, who I had on last episode, because he, he was right sitting at the, the table listening to Neil Adams' stories throughout his life as far as a professional. And that whole – that's the, special, the specialty of his documentary that he wants to make, right, is, is that generation. And it's, it's one of my favorites because those are the guys who – made a lot of the things that are still pertinent today what they are. As much as they're not the ones making comics now, like you don't get Thanos without Jim Starlin. You don't get the no. Teen Titans well, or the X-Men without Wolfman and Claremont, right? Like That's the generation. I think that was the thing. It was, they were the generation that came in because I mean, that's what he makes 
quite clear. It's like these are the fans that came in yeah. who wanted to be creative. Yeah. And like your perception of that isn't just a job. I mean, you work and you work hard, but the sound of it, you work really damn hard. But you just have a whole different perspective on it. And for a lot of those guys, it was, you know, in, in the earlier days, it was just a job. It was part of their part of their career and way to make money. Um, but it was like there was a reverence to it, I think, to be able to work on these characters. And then a lot of those characters, I guess, at that time had been around for, because I think Steve Mitchell said he jumped on it around like the mid, mid-70s. Yeah, early so, I mean, mid-70s. The universe was 15, 15 years old in the mid-70s. It wasn't that old. No. No, but there was exactly. obviously still a lot of reverence for it. Well, it was it was and informing. DC these, been a lot longer. It was informing all of these young kids. Like it was their thing. It was the first generation of kids who had uh, a storied universe to all attach to together and play. You know, traded like trading cards, and I got this comic, and I'm this character. Like it must have been amazing. Yeah, as well as I mean, like there was someone said to me. Um, <clears throat> I know we always reference Invincible one way or another but when this the guy that basically convinced me to pick up Invincible the first time he said this reading Invincible is probably as close as you'll get to understanding how people felt reading Spider-Man in the 60s yeah like now it's like you, you know you get issue 50 of Spider-Man and it says Spider-Man no more I quit like, like I'm done so a lot of people at that time thought that was it like is this it is this the end right. there was no franchise there was no marketing there's no Spider-Man symbol and logo on a toilet brush it was you know it was just <laughs> exactly. comics and I mean you didn't know how long it was going to be around for I mean it kind of feels a bit like that now at times I'm not sure how long the comics going to be around for but um, yeah like excuse me <coughs> um, it must have been really just really bizarre to be able to get to work on these these things and try and take the next generation of stories forward. And that was a period of time as well when characters were moving forward, you know? Um, events that happened, that happened in like the death of Gwen Stacy was 70s. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the introduction of Thanos and all these things that was, it was still affecting characters. Characters were still moving forward. So it was, it was a time before this keeping them trapped in amber and having creators jump on and then shaking things up and kind of putting it back the way they found it yeah. started happening it yeah. was all about moving their story along um, and that must have been really exciting for those creators it's probably a different feeling today I'm sure there's still a buzz you know but if you're I don't know if you're if you're Ed Brubaker jumping on Daredevil you know by the end of it you, you're going to have to leave it in a certain state yeah when do you think when do you think that happened where the creators had to disassemble completely and, and, you know, recast and do everything they wanted to this character and then say, all right, how do we give it back to you or the way, the way it was given to us? Like, when do you think that era started to occur? I think it was probably late 80s, early 90s. It was definitely sewn up by the end of the 90s. And a part of it came from, and the reason, one of the reasons why I didn't like the X-Men animated series I know there's a lot of people with a lot of affection for it, and that's great. And it caught a lot of people into the comics. Fantastic. For me, I didn't like it. The X-Men were suddenly set in stone. That was their setup. It had to look like it did in the cartoon. Um, and that was the more popular these things become and the more the tropes 
become something that's it's kind of in in the in pop culture um, or mainstream pop culture. The, the more that they tended to keep it the same. I mean, X Men was a was a prime example of that. It looked all the characters looked like they did in X Men Number One, the, the nineteen ninety one relaunch. Right. And then they just stayed that way. Whereas when you look at all that they went through in the years building up to that, it was just constant change. I mean, that's the whole motif of mutants, isn't it? Just that constant change. Right. But that stopped. Um, I mean, Spider Man potentially you could argue it goes back as. I mean, the, the major stuff is probably about mid-80s. I suppose they had to get married at the, at the end of the 80s. And after that, he sort of just... Status quo was mm, mostly the same. They tried to shake it up then with the clone saga. And then they put it all back again. I think for me, that that was kind of the, the, the point in comics. I think the clone saga and um, maybe like Heroes Reborn. Yeah. You know, Heroes Reborn to Heroes Return. It was like a, it was bringing you back, fresh start, but we're putting the characters back into like the way that you kind of that. That's where the amber kind of begins, and when when now we're we're going into a new generation. Because up to that point, you know, whatever um, Walt Simonson did, let's say with Thor, and then gets picked up by Ron Friends and and Tom DeFalco. They kept going like, okay, the, there's a Beta Ray Bill now. Uh, we gotta, we they paid respect to it, but we're we're gonna take them now into this part of the the, the cosmic universe. We're gonna do so, yeah. and, and but you felt that all of those he had gone through all of those things before, and same with Spider Man. You know, he he had the black suit, and then the black suit gets referenced, and and then Venom shows up because of the black suit, and he's married, and the wife. That's why Mary Jane doesn't want him to wear it anymore. It, it was like. We, we're moving along with this thing. Now it's always these one more day kind of feeling. Let's press. And it, things count. Things count. But there's a lot more like I'm trying to think of the word, but like these little kill switches. Okay. Let's go back. Event. <laughs> little, little reset. Yeah. You know. It's a really difficult. I, I think that's why I, I found it quite tricky dealing with the, the MCU because of the way that the MCU would reference something and then they wanted it to match what was in the comics. So they changed it back. Let's put Steve Rogers back in the Captain America uniform because there's a film coming out. And they, I know they've said that wasn't the case. That was always the plan. Yeah, you can say what you want, but it certainly looks that way. Um, <clears throat> we're going to, you know, we're going to change this character back to this costume because that's how it looks. And again, that's the mainstream seeping in to that storytelling and it does feel like that influences things massively which is why I, I prefer it when your B and C list characters don't make it into films I prefer it when so I, there was a question that was asked I did a an Instagram Q&A the other week and someone said to me what characters would you, that you haven't seen in the MCU yet would you like to see it and my answer is none of them because I just want them to leave it alone like well I mean it doesn't really matter now because I don't read it but if you put Machine Man in the MCU, they do they tweak it, they make him quippy, because that's what they do with every character. Um, they probably alter him in some way, and then the comics would match that. Yeah. And then that would be Machine Man. Yeah. Going forward. And probably forever. You yeah. take you take the references to Aquaman, like completely different universe. Um, I don't know when it began. I'm not enough of an expert in that 
area. I don't know enough about it. But there came a point in time where that whole he talks to fish thing became the ongoing gag. And then they couldn't shake it because that was popular opinion. Right. The Biff, Bam, Pal, Batman came from when Batman was really popular in the 60s and that was how people perceived Batman. So you give them, you give people what they expect. That's the problem. I think like the, the mainstream popularity, ironically, is probably the thing that slightly proves because you got to accommodate no i mean it it kind of it explains people's appreciation for independent work because if a person owns it and they keep it theirs it's not a matter so much of um you know that thing becoming super popular because if if robert kirkman can still do whatever he wants to do in his book he's not going to change what he plans to do with the Walking Dead because the show did it. He's gonna say, "Well, my story's doing this. It's gonna be different because mm-hmm. mine." Same with Invincible. Yeah. Invincible's mine. I can kill and bring back to life whoever I want, and I don't have to do it. Oh, don't do it on. We got to do it on the show first, like that. I don't think they. I could be wrong, but I don't think that I, it suffers in that way. I think way. you're right. No, I think you're right, especially with him actually writing the. Well, at least he wrote the first episode anyway, didn't he? Invincible, the, the animated series I've only watched one still oh okay. um I don't I'm not I'm not gonna watch it no no not a fan just couldn't I just I'm just sat there going yeah I mean this is fine it's an interesting interpretation but I haven't finished the, the comics yet so I, I just and I'm happier reading them so I just want to read them yeah I, I felt that way I watched the first three episodes in a row when they came out and I said, this is this is, this has got potential. Um, then I kind of was slogging through it, I felt, myself, because I was watching it alone. My wife was not as engaged in it. But when I got to the end, I said, I know this book. I've read it numerous times. And it still was like, wow, that was, that was pretty good. I was kind yeah. of, imp- yeah, I was like, that was pretty good. They did a good job. Like, I'm going to keep watching this now. And I don't. I know that I told you to keep reading Invincible and it turned out well. So I, you don't have to watch the show because you, you have a good gauge of what you like and what you don't like. But I was pleasantly surprised at the end. I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. I still went, oh, and I knew. I know really? the story. I still went, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. I still had that shock value. Sorry. Yeah. The, the, the way that first episode ends, I was quite because it's very visceral compared to how it happens in the comic. Um, and it's, it's told very differently. And it was quite, there was a part of me sat there going, this is, it feels more shock tactics a in a bit. way. You could argue that it does yeah. than, than the comic did. I know that you know, there may well be the same motivation for doing it. You know, shit, sales aren't great. We need to make sure we've got the hook. Mm-hmm. People weren't going to wait till episode seven. Right. or whatever for that right. hook that had to come early and that made sense um, but it's just the way because it's a visual medium and it's animated it's, it's just a very different thing a lot of people go like oh well um, comics are essentially storyboards but they're not they're not storyboards it doesn't really work that way I mean the, the closest they came to it was, was I think Sin City they essentially used it as storyboards but for me it underlined the weird pacing of, of the comics Um it, does, it sort of doesn't work. No, you know, and, and, and it doesn't... Dialogue works. When you try to make a, a movie 
like the Watchmen did that uh, with the movie. Visually, it's like, wow, you're going panel for panel. Pretty cool. But it, it takes away because you can't tell a story like that in a, in a motion picture. No. There's, there's magic in the comic for a reason. And there's magic mm-hmm. in the film for a reason. And you have to approach both of those things for what they do. Yeah. And I felt I felt that Endgame um, played, it, as far as a film goes, the way the way a event comic makes you feel. <sighs> and I think they executed the way an event comic makes you feel just right, where you went from scene to scene with a, and now we're here. And it was like that's the end of an issue. What happened there? That's issue three. Now movie like yeah. that's what it felt like, yeah. but it didn't look like it. That's the thing. They they, they felt they given it that the the feeling. I mean, they kind of did it. Um, well, that, that's the whole point of, of the post credit scene as well, isn't it? It's the the last. It's the page twenty two cliffhanger. They've trying to. That's what they're playing with. Um, but you can't end a film that way. So right. like okay. Is the end of the film, but we're going to put page twenty-two after the letters page. Is almost what they're doing. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but and it works. You can't do it the same way. You can't end. A, well, you can end a film on a cliffhanger theory. I guess classic Empire Strikes Back did. It doesn't technically fit. I don't know. It's a weird one that one because sometimes I watch that film and just kind of go, "Oh yeah, I think that's still, that counts as an ending." Just because the good guys didn't win. There's an ending there. They lived. They survived, right? Yeah. Who's gonna? And they, you know, they look out into space. <laughs> I guess guessing what might happen next. Um, it's just as good an ending as any. But yeah, I think I don't know. It's, they're giving people a hook to come back and pick up the next issue. Right. Exactly. I think that was quite a canny move. I did. I I like that motif. One of the weird things that I, um, speaking of um, adaptations, I'm kind of intrigued as to how they do Sweet Tooth, um, which I think is coming soon, pretty soon. I haven't read it. What did you think of oh, it? I really, really, I really didn't like it. Hmm. Um, uh, largely because of of Jeff Lemire's art, which at times I haven't minded. Um, but on this book, it didn't work. It's like, I don't think it really works with action scenes. There's some action scenes in the story that it just, it just comes across as odd. Like, he's not great with facial expressions. And if you're going to those real extreme facial expressions or expressing anger, if people constantly look like a slightly melted crisp bag, it's just, <laughs> what are you feeling right now? Not anything, hello? Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you constipated? What? What? What is it? <laughs> That's the problem with that with that series is like the acting isn't there basically uh, I see I see what you mean okay yeah I haven't I haven't read it to have an assessment but uh, I get what you mean it, it, sometimes that art works well with the I don't know if you listened to um, the, the, the episode with Steve last week but he he brought up the point of casting you know it's not so much a matter of the best artist with the best writer it's how how do they dance together for that book? Yeah, you know I don't know if I want to see um, Mike Mignola doing uh, Aquaman. 
I may, I may, it might look great for somebody. Somebody <laughs> might listening might be like, yeah, I want to see that. But I don't know if that's <laughs> the best matchup for him. And you know, putting those uh, Frank Miller and Mike Mignola on Aquaman, big names, yeah. people will buy it. But Would it work? But what I do? I want to see a Frank Miller Aquaman story? Not at all. Like no. Uh. I would only probably want to see it exactly right. So casting casting becomes a, a huge part of a of of the experience. So I, even though it's his story, who are we to say like ah you you weren't the right artist, Kaz, for your creator own book? But <laughs> I trust I trust your take. I trust your take. I, I have there's so many comic adaptations now on TV that I barely crack half of them. Because I feel TV is the one place yeah. where I can maybe watch or, or engage in something outside of comics. Because I read the comics. I don't need to even watch every show about it. Not that I don't. I do. I spent so many yeah. episodes talking about WandaVision on this show. But um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't do like a whole weekly, week-to-week thing about Winter Soldier and Invincible. I'm lost with the DC shows. Do you watch any of the DC, DC shows? No, I, I watched, I think, the first two series of The Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got a bit bored. The green, uh, the, uh, it's not called Green Arrow. What's it called? Just Arrow? Arrow. Green Arrow. It's Green Arrow. It's Green Arrow, isn't it? It didn't appeal. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really know the character that well anyway. He didn't seem, from what I had read, he didn't seem to be like the character, so I didn't really see the point. Um, I don't know what it is about the DC shows as well is that when people are standing talking they all stand with their arms limply by their sides and in a circle and just turn their heads and look at each other it's really weird you don't get that in the Marvel what a weird comparison um, but it's true like in, in The Flash they all stand there just with their hands by their sides and it's really weird direction and they're all, all those shows do it it's weird that's interesting it, it, it was the fact that you I wonder if there is some sort of standard of body language that they that 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 indicates you're you're watching and, and it feels like the same thing like you know it's a DC show I don't know that's an I interesting did. interesting uh observation just when you spot it it's yeah. hard to unsee it and then Everyone, you just think like people aren't talking like people anymore because most people will, like you'll get at least one person that will gesticulate with their hands or you know or hmm. someone likes to fill around a bit. Or, What's my character's motivation? My character's motivation is to have my arms dangling by my sides limply. Oh, mine too. Oh, good. That's <laughs> like Stanislavski's turning in his grave at that point. Do you think? Um, it, do you think it's like we want you to be more attentive to dialogue because it's so dial like it, the, the story progress if we it, it's so based on you understanding what a tachyon conductor is or whatever so follow what we're saying because that's all the stories in there not in not in our body <laughs> like their arms. yeah won't follow the sides you move your arms. <laughs> unless the guy's Maybe. running really fast then you can move your arms really fast <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what it is that comparison to make the action scenes look more maybe I don't know exciting he's running with his arms look at his arms go did did you happen to see um, Wonder Woman 84 no I haven't seen it have you have you seen it 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 showed up on um, a streaming service on Crave I I waited I didn't want to pay for it and then the reviews were not (laughs) promising 
and I'm I'm happy I didn't pay for it. But uh, if you watch it under the with the with no expectation and the right frame of mind, um, it might be fun. But it yeah. isn't. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> You, That's brilliant. You, you, you know, sometimes um, I've, I've come to a point lately where my wife will say to me, what do you, what do you want to watch? I said, I want to watch something full of action and dumb. Like, find me the dumbest movie with plot holes, but it's just crazy to look at. So I've started getting into, like, the Godzilla monster movies, Skull Island, and I just had a good time. Like, yeah, that's so stupid. Like, that's that's a plot hole. How did they not solve it? Oh, who cares? <laughs> Look at the monsters. Like, sometimes, sometimes you it's the that. fun of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's like a very British thing. It is quite a British thing sometimes to eat to pick apart all the things that you love. And yeah. And talk about how great they were. Um, so I've done that a million times with Indiana Jones. Any film I've really, really liked. Yeah. And like, or, or, I don't know, it's weird. It's such a weird thing to do, but... There we go. It's but sometimes that is fun. I do struggle with things that are largely uh, special effects based. Yeah. Because they do tend to forget the story. Yeah. Readily. Oh. Yeah. And I just can't. I haven't got the patience. Like I, I want really good dialogue. It always sounds really pretentious if you say things like this. Really good dialogue, and just a just a smartly worked out story. It doesn't even have to be that much going on. Um, that's all I want pretty much 100% of the time yeah <laughs> like that's why I don't it's probably why I don't like the the um, superhero comedy adaptations that much because they tend to be riddled with plot holes um, and it's just a special effects drama. but that's generally tends to be I just want something that's going to make me not even necessarily make me stink but like make me laugh because like oh that was a good line that's such a nice line yeah yeah um, that's clever the, yeah I get, yeah, I get it. You don't have to be clever by going, look how clever these graphics are. But where's the story? Shut up. Yeah. And that's why, so on the flip side, when I really want to watch something and enjoy it, I want to watch something, I won't go action comic related because it's rare that you get both at the same time. And and when they try yeah. to, like, um, I don't know if you've seen Tenet. Have you seen Tenet? No. Christopher I've Nolan? given up on Christopher Nolan completely. Right. right. So and I understand what, what, what you may feel because I really enjoy Christopher Nolan movies for they're they're recognizably his. Like I like the Dark Knight series enough. Um, Interstellar was was interesting. Uh, my wife loves um, Inception. It's one of her favorite right. movies. She likes it a lot. So Tenant is just a natural of course, like let's give this a shot. It looks pretty cool. But it's. I think he's at the point now where, I like. I'm Christopher Nolan. Like, catch up. <laughs> Do, does does that make sense at all? Yeah, it was, I was kind of thinking like, after each one, it sort of steps up into the realm of weather. Yeah, um, yeah. And like, where are they going to take it? I'm going to do it all completely. You, know, it, you can watch it either way. Does that work? Doesn't matter anymore. Because if you say that it's not good, everyone will just tell you how stupid you are that you didn't understand it. Oh, okay. Right, right. Which tends to be what happens. Yeah. Like I saw a lot of people would say about Inception. I didn't like Inception. Um, 
it's been so long now I can't even remember why but anyone you said I didn't really like it to though because you just didn't understand it there's no conversation you just didn't understand it like come on but that, that that's status something. quo today, right? That just seems to be the way it is. If you if you don't say the right mantra, if you don't have the right opinion, it's it's you're you're it's like come on, we can't talk right. about it. You you don't want to talk. Yeah. Okay, we I got you got the trump card. I'm I'm wrong, and we can't talk about it anymore. I get it. No, it's it, it was like that. It was an interesting film, uh, cool conceit of what he was trying to do, but it was it's almost trying to be too smart for itself. Yeah. And I find that that yes. can happen with action, smart movies sometimes. Uh-huh. So it's better. That's to- the thing. If, if you go back to, uh, have you seen Memento? Yes. I love Memento. I thought it was really smart. And actually, the um, the DVD, if you, you could watch it in order. Okay. Okay. So you can actually play all of it in chronological order. Right. And it completely changes your position. You have to be fairly obsessed with it at that point to be able to watch. This isn't how it's meant to be edited together. It doesn't matter. Just watch it in order. Um, it completely changes your perception of... Um, oh, my God, I forgot his name, the main character. I forgot his name. I can't remember the actor's name. Guy, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. I just keep thinking, the guy from Neighbours. That probably doesn't mean anything. Some, yeah, he was an Australian soap actor initially. Um, but yeah, it changes your view of him completely. Like, oh my God, I thought you'd just go, oh, okay, yeah, I see what you've done. No, it's like, oh, what's his motivation? It's completely different. It's not remotely what I thought it was. Right. It was really smart. Yeah, and and you, you trust him because of the track record. And now it's to the point where I got to go in and pay extra careful attention to every little detail because I won't understand that fight scene if I don't. And sometimes yeah. it's like, can I just look down at my popcorn for one second? <laughs> <laughs> Remember where we are. It, yeah. is, it is a, a cinema. Yeah. I, was trying to, I was trying to adapt the language. I was going to say theater, but we don't say that. <laughs> Cinema, cinema's nice. We say we, we call it the theater here, but it isn't the theater. It is the cinema. It's so funny how what, we. What do you call the theater? Uh, the theater. Yeah, we still call it oh, the right. theater. We we interchange both. It's it's a they call it a movie theater. Ah. Uh. Right, but also it's the proper name is cinema. Like we know that the 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 place that we would go to watch movies at the movie theater was called Cine Cineplex. Oh, right. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I've probably read it in dialogue in comments. Yeah, exactly. So we know the words. It's just we still say, oh, let's go to the theater. I don't want to go to the movie theater. <laughs> Stupid Americans. There you go. A load of listeners. <laughs> well, North Americans. <laughs> That's much better. Yeah, North America. Because we're not Canada. We're not Americans. We're Canadians. Um you you brought up an interesting um, topic to kind of browse over, not something with a specific, we're talking about this, but comparing the, the, the things that DC and Marvel do better than each other. Um, yeah. Especially now that these franchises expand into every form of media. Yeah. Do you, do you have, do you find yourself leaning more towards one or the other? It's, it's funny because like when I dropped, essentially dropped Marvel, 
Um, I started picking up more indie books, but I also started reading Batman. And then I veered then into other titles and just tried them out. Um, so it's funny because when I, when I think back to when I started reading Marvel and I went to secondary school, most people, like, I, the people that read comics were mostly the people that I got into comics and they didn't hang about. Like, the longest is 13 issues with one of my mates and another lasted about two months. Um, and that was the first, the first two uh, Silver Seven, Thirty Four, and Thirty Five. Return of Thanos. He didn't stick around. I should have got rid of that guy. That's not a proper friend. Anyway, uh, lost all respect in hindsight. Uh, 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 but yeah, I, th- I remember at the time someone said to me, "It's an all boys school. They want to wind each other up." It's like, do Marvel have like competition with another company? Yeah, DC. Okay, uh, DC better than Marvel. Ha, ha. So in, in the end, I just to give people something to focus on, so they wouldn't attack the thing I like. I just gave them DC. Here you go. Here's DC. You can talk about how great DC are, and I'll pretend to be wounded every time you do it. But I've never really disliked DC. Um, I was always interested, intrigued by what they were doing. And it's funny because then we were talking about um, the the character reference you know, the, the, the creators being credited and I think DC did that first mm-hmm. long before Marvel did you could see creators being named on the cut um, in the mid 80s definitely post crisis I don't know about before that mm-hmm. but Marvel didn't do that until what the late 90s so on the cover on the cover you mean about on the cover, yeah. Oh, on the cover. Okay. Yeah. I know that they always had credits inside. I Like in the X-Men, I always remember them looking at who yeah. inked who and who lettered. But the cover, you're right. No, you didn't know on from the cover. No. Yeah. It might have even been Heroes Reborn around that sort of time that they started putting. Yeah, it was. I think it was post-Onslaught. So it was about 1997. That's when they started crediting creators on the cover. Really? That's really, when you compare it with DC, that's like more than 10 years, at least 10 years. They just didn't do it. Um, So in that sense, I always thought it was that DC were a bit of a nicer company to work for because they actually credited their creators on the cover. I know that's not a universe thing, but it's part of what, weirdly appealed to me about DC that they actually acknowledged people and you could look on the front and know who was working on it and might make you want to pick it up I just didn't know who anyone was right and that's the funny thing at the time because I guess from a generational point of view the comparisons you make between Marvel and DC is going to be different like the the battle between the two was always quite tongue in cheek I think now people are taking it really seriously like yeah, really you, really seriously you, you find that? yeah it's odd, like you, you had to pick one or the other, and, and one of them is categorically evil. Yeah, I felt growing up as a kid, someone, someone felt like that. A Q&A. Did you? Yeah, because the kids were always, they wanted to be the cool kids, and Marvel's so much cooler, and, and you know, Spider-Man could get kryptonite webs, and he would take out Superman so easy, and it was always like, no, it's, it's why can't you just like both? Why do we got to pick one? Because I was always somebody, I, I grew up DC kid um, because of, of, I guess, what you were introduced to first. Like, to me, 
I was given a Superman toy and there was a movie and a Batman movie and it, and these are the first things that made me fall in love with the genre and it just seemed more readily available. So when I went to a store, I said, I want the Superman comic book. I want the, you know, with the guys I, I can see in live action in some capacity, even though the live action at that time would have been, you know, Batman 66. But yeah. They just felt like these are what superheroes are. Superman is the superhero in my head. But I always loved superheroes in general. But it was always this, you know, Marvel's where the badasses are, the cool kids. And DC are like the nerds. I'm like... And it it always kind of maintained that sort of thing. Not realizing that it's a lot of the same people making both of them. That's the thing that gets me. You know, as people go like, "Oh, DC suck." You go, but like, if if you read like that, I mean, even Fantastic Four are better than Justice League, whatever. You've got some of the same creators working on both. You're slagging off the people that you're just praising at the same time. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. It's not the character's fault. It's just you, (laughs) moron. (laughs) And that's the thing. Like, like I didn't. A lot of what I was seeing apart from like Superman and Batman were iconic and they were probably some of the first toys that I had weirdly yeah. as well yeah, yeah. I definitely had a Spider-Man toy I had, I had a weird Spider-Man toy that was kind of stood still with one fist over his head and then some a bit of plastic wire kind of came out and he would slide down it and then I had a Superman that was done exactly the same way but he held kryptonite above his head so in my mind they were all just part of the same universe superheroes right yeah and then it's only later, like I guess when I started buying, it becomes affordability. You pick one because you can't afford both. That's it. Especially when you get into the crossovers. And okay, this is a massive crossover this month, and they've got a massive crossover. I gotta choose. Right. What I'm gonna pick. Right. Um, so that becomes that plays a part in it as well, I guess. But in terms of like, DC always had. Those really, those two really iconic characters, arguably three. But Batman and Superman, just they're just undeniably iconic. Yeah, there's, there's an international language there. Yes. Um, but then you look. If when I did look at some of the other characters, like Green Lantern seemed ridiculous to me, and I didn't touch that for forty years. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's, what a freak of yellow. Yeah. What? Yeah. So I could just wear a yellow tracksuit and then he can't beat me. Right. Right? Or I can Is this be... how that works? That that was the caveat, I think, with the DC characters was they were so archetypical of these are his powers and he's from here and he can do that and blah, 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 blah. But wood can hurt him. Or this little green rock will kill him. Or if yeah. you've got a lighter on you, a couple matches will do the trick with Martian Manhunter. Right? <laughs> have and you seen the Robot Chicken episode? No, I have where, not. Oh, it's so funny. There's a, this is a total spoiler if someone hasn't seen it, but I mean, um, <clears throat> can I, should I say? Go ahead. Spoilers. Spoilers. There's a bit in it where basically they're at the Justice League are fighting the Legion of Doom. Um, and then there's there's fire. Martian Manhattan's Martian Manhattan's going. Oh, flames! My, fire, my one weakness. And Batman says, "Fire is everyone's weakness." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's true. Right, and so the the stupidity of those characters when you keep it going 
for as long as you try to, it's like, okay, we got to figure something out to make this work. And it's funny, John Ostrander actually did when he wrote Martian Manhunter for a few years, which was actually a very good run. I wish they would collect that in some kind of deluxe format because it's, it's a good good stuff, him and Tom Mandrake. But he made it that it was a psychological uh, weakness based on his experiences and trauma and what he associates with fire. And that's what, that's what makes him fall to it. So not so much the properties of fire, but it's representation and where his mind, his mind shuts down. And, and with the Martian Manhunter, his mind is so powerful. So it was, a, it was an interesting way to say, okay, here's how we can kind of make this work, depending yeah. on the strength of his mind. Because otherwise, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. That's a much smarter way of doing it. But I like when they, because that must have been, was that around about the time that Jeff Johns started writing Green Lantern and they reworked the, the yellow? They kind of got rid of it. I think it was. It's a weakness. Could have been around that time, maybe a little bit earlier. Maybe um, just after or around when he was working on the Spectre, which. Okay. I'm trying to think of some of the covers and the bordering on, you know, how sometimes they have those crossovers. It could have been around that time, but I, I would be, I'd be grasping at straws to say, oh, definitely. Late 90s, early, early aughts, I would say. Oh, okay. Oh, that's much earlier than I thought. Because that's, that's the thing, when you start to pick apart the, the other kind of major characters, I think like Marvel tended to modernize the costumes quite frequently so they have they have altered over time they'll occasionally dip back to certain things like Wolverine's costume right now looks a lot more modern I suppose a lot of the characters across the board do but then you've got the Spectre always just seemed like the 1950s to me mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine going I think they released an omnibus of the Spectre and normally with those kind of second tier characters I'll have a look like you're releasing an omnibus of this, this there must be some popularity here and I look at him and just think you just look ridiculous I, I can't, it might be really good. I just can't. I, he's got these funny little boots and his his costume is just so like weird and bland. He looks like a peppermint. It's it's odd. <laughs> I don't even know what his deal is. Like I don't know anything about him. He's, I've read a couple of stories with him, but he's he's um he's God's vengeance is what he is. Okay. It's 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 got some cool aspects to it when used correctly because it it, uh like when Hal Jordan became the specter and and the role that he because it's got to be like it's got to have like a host so Chris Crispus Crispus Allen from uh Gotham Central he became he became the specter so it's somebody that it gets past it's, it's a legacy character but the people who become the specter there's always a different aspect to that when he was the Spectre. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's that aspect kind of cool. Does that play a part? In, does that play a part in how he behaves? I think so. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, well read when it comes to the Spectre. I've never read like a series. More just when he's in a story serving a purpose. But right. yeah, likewise, and it was only a couple. Yeah, so he's got he he's a cool tool to use. It's kind of like when um. Marvel, when you do Marvel Cosmic and they bring in one of the 
you know, not the celestials, but those, you know, eternity and infinity and living tribunal. Like when those things show up, uh, yeah, you don't want to read a series about that. No. But you like when it, ha- if you're yeah. into the cosmic, you're like, oh, they're all here. They're talking now. <laughs> it's going to get philosophical, you know. <laughs> but uh, that, that's how I like him to be used. But I, I don't really know much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the plunge into a... Uh, omnibus of it i don't know if i'd get through it no it, it seems like a very limited concept again i could be wrong so i'm fascinated by adam strange i love and this is another this is the thing about dc they do tend to cling on to that look and that feel um historically adam strange looks very much at the time mm-hmm. that he was created and he doesn't seem to have moved on he has a couple of times they've tweaked it a bit and then sometimes they kind of make him look like he did in the 60s 50s but i like that look it just it fascinates me yeah it's just there's something really classic about it that just works yeah i get what you mean but i, I don't know if i'd want to read the stories i kind of i kind of do but i'm only doing it because like i'm i don't know because i want to i'm, I'm drawing something is drawing me in yeah yeah the, um, the the tom king miniseries when it wraps up i'll i'll read it in a collected format because i trust his completed story in a 12 issue beginning, middle, yeah. end. Have you read Omega so, Man? Yeah, I didn't get on with it. And I can't remember, I can't remember why. There was a lot of praise for it, obviously, at the time. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get on this. I don't know, it just didn't connect. I, I wasn't, I can't remember why. I didn't know if I didn't, the characters didn't feel fully formed enough. What did you make of it? I really enjoyed it. And I felt that it was, it's kind of like his, um, it's kind of like the book that people forget that he did because it was happening at the same time as Vision. And oh, okay. So it was. It, it's kind of like uh, everyone. He became really well known for Vision, but Omega Man. Yeah. And and I've heard a couple of people say, "Yeah, I really liked it, but no, no, it's not for me." Like your opinion isn't uncommon. Right. But um, I I kind of appreciated what it was. It seemed more of um, I'm trying to think of the word here. More ambitious for him to try okay. that than Vision was, in my opinion, because you're taking these characters. No one really knows. There's nothing yeah. on TV about them. They're no name care. They're not even B list characters in a way, and you're telling a, a pretty original, self contained story that is somewhat biographical. In your experience, you're telling us some type of a political story and making us really try to understand ourselves as we read it. So I like the ambition of it. And I look forward to reading it again to kind of see if I can. And I like the art. The art was different. It stood out. Uh, I think it was. I can't remember who was on it. The name. Who was on it? Barnaby was the last. Bregenza. Barnaby Bregenza. Let me look at my shelf. It's right in front of me. If I just put on my glasses. Oh, there you go. That's cheating. There you go. Bagenda. Yeah. Because I might try it again. Because bear in mind, that was around the time I was literally, I was reading virtually anything DC-wise. Okay. Just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And it was all new to me. I didn't know who anyone was. And again, going back to that idea of like, what are the strengths and weaknesses? I found DC a lot less forgiving. 
in terms of new fans or knowing the history. Ah. Um, they don't tend to tell you. Uh, 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 Marvel introduced the, funnily enough, around the same time they started crediting their creators, they did the last 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 time on Dynasty, kind of previously on Amazing Spider-Man. It was yeah. a fold-out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Frank yeah. Cover, wasn't it? Um, and then they went down to the one-page thing eventually with very little art, but something like who's who are the characters. and So they would, if that is your first comic, you pick it up, you've got a hope. Whereas with DC, I mean, they even get their collected editions and there's no recap there's there's nothing I don't know who anyone is um it's hard there's a lot more work that I think goes into picking up a DC book or learning how the universe fits together that's very interesting because as a lifelong DC fan going into Marvel uh, I was intimidated because Marvel has you feel like you need to know everything that happened to these characters with Marvel because they've never stopped it. Whereas DC is like, we've reset the universe and whatever <laughs> you thought true. happened didn't happen. So just begin in 2011 and you know, Batman. Now you're a Batman expert. Whereas with Marvel, it was Spider-Man's been married. Oh, this happened. He, he went to school at empire state university. He was a teacher once or you, you <laughs> right. Oh, these kids, these kids, they had kids then and they went through that and, and the kid had a babysitter named Herbie. Oh, okay. That's why. So I felt I needed to know all of that, but you're right. It's easier to get acclimated to the Marvel universe in that regard. But the one thing I think that DC does better than Marvel, which, which made me kind of feel, oh, you don't have these things with, with Marvel the same way you do with DC was those evergreen titles. I don't feel Deep Marvel has your all-star Superman. They don't have a Dark Knight Returns. Not to say that those are the best books ever. They're great books. But Marvel, I would never felt their strength was, if I want to read one Batman story to introduce me to Batman, see if I like him, or one Spider-Man story, which one do I be? Well, I guess you should read the death of Gwen Stacy but in order to know what's happening here you got to know that her dad yes. you know and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't have that same here read this read this story see if you like it they've tried but it never quite works and a lot of the time when they have tried it's tended to emulate what DC have done weirdly I mean you look at something like Spider-Man Reign by Kerry Andrews it's trying to be Spider-Man's Dark Knight Returns and it's, it's, so it never feels fresh. But that's absolutely true. And funnily enough, I was thinking about this the other day, and I, I made a comment on a, on a book review on my Instagram, which was, I think they need to do more of this kind of thing. At one the one because second. So much I just hear something happening no outside my door. I think it's my dog. One second. <laughs> okay. Come on the podcast. Come on. What did you say his name was? This is Kobe. I'll show you right now. We're still we're still recording. Maybe I'll edit this. Maybe I won't. <laughs> can can you see? Kobe. Him? Can you see Kobe? There's Kobe. Yeah. My black lab. I'm waving. Why am I waving? <laughs> I'm a dog. <laughs> On a podcast. <laughs> 
She's my she's my twelve year old baby, but uh, she was trying to get in before, and um, I had the door closed just for the sound, and I think she got into some garbage to say, you know what, you've pissed me off, and uh, I'm sick and tired of this. So she's here now. Okay, you can lie down. Welcome to the show. Uh, what do you think of? Uh, <laughs> has she read many? She, she definitely sits with us when we watch the Marvel TV shows because there's usually food involved, but whenever I put them on, she's right there with us. Um, yeah, you were saying about Spider-Man Reign, how they tried to make it, you know, their Dark Knight Returns, and it just... Yeah. It doesn't... Yeah. It didn't work. But I, I, did a, I can't remember what I did this review for. I, I, I did a review for some book and said that there needs to be more... They need to worry less about continuity. And mm-hmm. I kind of didn't explain myself very well, to be fair. Someone lost their shit at me, basically, and just going, you can't, no, continuity, you don't understand how important continuity is. But, no, I mean, I get how important continuity is. If, you know, you can't just ignore stuff that's happened because that annoys me. But having those standalone stories, part of the reason why we've talked so much about injustice, I think you can pick up injustice, right. read it, finish right. it, right. done. You don't need to read everything. There's a lot there. Yes. But you don't need to read 30 years worth of continuity. Right. And that appeals to me. I recently picked up, um, I have read them, most of them, previously, but Earth 2, mm-hmm. again, partly for that reason, because it's more, and it's the new 52, Earth 2, because so many numbers. That's, that's another thing DC does well, is make it sound like <laughs> you're playing bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Earth 2, Infinite Crisis Earth two. 1. <laughs> <laughs> Legs 11, yeah. Superman. It, yeah, um... So Earth 2 mostly kind of stood alone. There's some highlights in it. There are some bits that don't really work. Um, this was the series, the, Earth 2. The series, Earth yeah. 2, yeah. Uh, so I had that parallel series as well with World's End. But for the most part, you're getting something that's relatively self-contained. Right. Um, different different reality, but self-contained. And that appeals, again, that appeals to me. I don't have to read 20, 50 different titles right. to understand what's going on. And that's one of the things that frustrates me, I think, about the two, the big two, is that I think they do have a responsibility to try and make things accessible. If you go into a a comic shop, bookshop, and you pick up a black label book, for the most part, you're going to get a complete story there, and you don't need to know everything. Right. Apart from maybe three jokers. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But Marvel, you won't really get that. Even like Infinity Gauntlet, it helps to know Thanos's history and you really have to read the Silver Surfer issues that lead up to it. Yeah, exactly. And so on and so forth. That, that's why like when I wanted to read, pick that up and I were, I were, of course one person's opinion is one person's opinion but I said, you know, I want to I wanna get the Infinity Gauntlet. I've never read it before and I know that's where they're going with the movies and, and it just, I love, you know, George Perez art with all the busyness and it just right. Um, but I asked the, the, the retailer and he's like, ah, it's not that good. I mean, it was what it was in the nineties, but I wouldn't care to read it. It's not, it's not necessary. And I disagree, but that's just my taste. But at the same time, I read the Silver Surfer issues and I made sure that I read Thanos quest because the first time I read Infinity Gauntlet, I understood why the comic book store owner or the worker I should say said ah there's better events 
It's just, uh-huh. it's just a, you know, it was an extravaganza of the time. But it doesn't really, nothing changed because of it, basically, in their opinion. But when you read Thanos' quest, and you get all of the relationship between him and the surfer, it becomes so much more, yeah. know, the grand scale, the epicness, the biblical proportions, yeah. like the, the philosophy of it is so much more. It's funny as well, because that was supposed to build up to a much bigger crossover. Really? There was supposed to be more tie-ins, but people didn't want to take part. Ah, okay. Um, I think it's better for it, because then you look at Infinity War the year after, everyone was in on it, and it was so unnecessary. Right, right. (laughs) They should have stuck to the small few. Right. Um, Yeah, I I mean, I I understand to a degree what they're saying as well. In terms of that fallout, there there isn't quite as much, although the... The use of the Infinity Gauntlet has been fairly prevalent then since 1991. Um, every couple of weeks, someone puts those gems together. Uh, anyone seen the six gem, <laughs> pockets? Tiny pockets. You've had it in your pocket yeah. the whole time? <laughs> oh, I thought it was fluff. I thought it was just a penny. It's, yeah, they sort of pseudo-repeated it every so often. But at the same time, I don't think it matters because in its own way... It was fairly self-contained. You don't need to read Infinity War and Infinity Crusade. No. That's quite a nice little ending. Right. And and like what happens to Thanos at the end. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. If there's there's one way to read it, it would be the omnibus. Because then you get pretty much everything. Yeah, which I'm happy that they're putting back into, they're they're reprinting it again. That's that exact, because I missed it. I missed the first one. Uh, well, not the first one, but the latest one, because I know it's been out before. But um, yeah, I think I think Marvel, they have them. You know, you've got Marvels from Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, which is one of those kind of evergreen titles. And I think Spider-Man yeah. Life Story. I don't know if you've read. I don't know if you read that from Chip Zdarsky. If, how you felt about it? Yeah. It, it's a good um, way of giving people like, um, you know, all around version of Spider-Man's life. The, the colored Hulk gray, Daredevil yellow, the, the Jeff Loeb, yeah. those are good kind of a classic treatment of these characters. You can read six issues and get a good feel of them and what they represent. But like you said, you can pick up a, a black label book like Wonder Woman and it it's its own story and does what yeah. it wants to do. But it's Wonder Woman. And it's damn cool. Yeah, it's still one of them. It's still that part of that. I think I do actually. When I've read, when I've reread Dark Knight Returns, I struggled to see that as Batman. Um, I, just, I still, I don't like the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> I think it's a real mess. But it's it's become iconic, and it has it did influence the perception of Batman and brought him into the the 80s I guess it was at the time when there was still that hangover of Batman 66 right um, right but I mean like what with like Wonder Woman Dead Earth that's still very much Wonder Woman right it's still her her motivation is the same her, the way she's reacting to, to it is the same how she she's feels very for emotional people. character yeah. yeah and it's that was what I liked so much about it because right. I could still give that to somebody and go you want to understand Wonder Woman have a read of that it's, it's ridiculous. It's not what you're expecting at all. Um, but they'll still get a good feel for the character. Yeah. It's a Wonder Woman story. Yeah. The essence of the character is there, but it's taking... Well, when did this happen? I thought, no, it doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter. Just yeah, take it burned. as a story. Everybody's dead. She's, Just have fun with it. Exactly. Yeah, read it. That's the, that's yeah. the they they have a little bit more of an established uh, library for th- for that version of the publishing. No, you you don't have yeah. to read anything in continuity to read some of their best stories. No, you mm-hmm. could read Long Halloween and and Year One. Yeah, that's true. You know that that's all you can have on your shelf for Batman or or if you like the Killing Joke or whatever. You don't have to get into all of. Even even in a way, the Court of Owls. You can read the Court of Owls one to twelve, and that's it. You don't gotta keep yeah. going. They they have a bit bit of a better way of jumping on, jumping off. Which I don't know if that's a good thing, but it does make I guess jumping you, off can be a problem. <laughs> yeah, but but it can make you have a large library. Even like Hush, Hush does a really good job. I'm, I realize I'm mentioning a lot of Jeff Loeb books, but Hush does a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he, him being um a scriptwriter, you know, movie scriptwriter originally, he yeah. is very good at marketing the character. That's I a strength that for another, him. Another thing that DC does better than Marvel then is make use of Jeff of Jeff Loeb. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Loeb and Jeff Johns. That's that's one thing that they do. And Jeff Johns. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He does. He does have that understanding of it. God, there's oh, there's so many. Well, they're still kind of in continuity that you can drop them in comfortably. Yeah, you don't also don't have to. Right. I, I know. Previously, we talked about the top five, my top five Marvel event, and the one that I like the most is still Civil War. But if someone wants to read Civil War, you have to read New Avengers. And technically, you've got to read Disassembled to understand what that is. And if you really want to fully understand that, you should go back and read the. John Byrne, West Coast Avengers. <laughs> yeah, but right. even even like Civil War is a seven issue thing. I don't know how that would feel to someone who not read any Marvel. I'm I'm trying to think of as my as a person who at one point was just a DC buyer because of like you said budget, and then becoming clearly behind me, tons of maybe more Marvel books than DC now. I think. Marvel makes it worth your while to dig deeper. Yeah. Whereas DC makes you go, oh, well, screw it then. <laughs> I think DC has that, for me, my experience makes it, well, that's it. I've done all this and now you're just restarting it like it doesn't count. And it, do, it, it none of it counts. Like really, it's just fiction. Yeah. But it's just fiction. Y- you know, I- I've followed you all this. T- it's it's the it's the Spider Man one more day. Like what? Like why can't Aunt May yeah. die? Why can't she just die? Why does he have to be a teenage? Can't he just be a thirty six year old Spider Man who who realizes, hey, I could be a millionaire too? That's I know it's it's not Peter. That's not how Peter would be. Peter's got to be down on his luck, but he's not that stupid. To make him down his luck, though. That was the, the problem with post superior Spider Man. Yeah. Was to make him down on his luck, he, he had to sacrifice his feeling of responsibility. So in order to make him more Peter Parker, they sacrificed a part of him that is the quintessential part of Peter Parker, which is responsibility. So instead of focusing on that business that Dr. Oxford built up, he kinda let it go. 
he was never he was never there for meetings. He never he didn't look after his employees. That's responsibility. That's who Peter Parker is. So it's better for him to have balls it up in some other way than for him to have not taken responsibility for it. Oh, if he'd sold it and he made a million, a few million, and then lost it all, that's Peter Parker. Right. For him to just kind of go, yeah, but I need to be Spider-Man. Like, oh, no, because you, no, no, because you're betraying the responsibility for me. And again, that's the core, that's the core of who that, that character is meant to be. It's, that bothered me. Sorry. No, but but I think I think that's and there we go again with the the, the storytelling format of these things never end. So is it yeah. better is it better for us to um, revitalize, refresh a universe so that we can start things up and get people on again? And if you like the characters, there's a whole library, or is it better to? Never let these characters change by keeping them going forward, but always reverting them back to the status quo. Like, what, what's what's the better way? Let's just renumber. Number one. <laughs> oh, God. No, that's the thing. I suppose when you look at Spider-Man in terms of films, they've gone back and started again. Right. Let's, let's just hit, we've hit a point where we've got 60 years of continuity to worry about. 60 for Marvel? Or you don't count the Golden Age stuff? Well... It must be. Close to because if you go from sixty one, yeah, that's about sixty years. I'm going to use my fingers. Yeah, yeah I think it is. No one could be expected to have read all that. It's time to modernize and start again. Just start again. Sixty sixty is a good run. Right. Let's just start again. And they've always kind. They've done it, but I think the first time would may have been you know heroes return would have been uh, that kind of slice in time where they've been gone. Now they're back, and it's a fresh new place to start. It's weird when they said that that was actually supposed to be permanent, and you look at how Heroes Re- uh, Reborn was told. You're like, how could this ever have been permanent? You're just going, ah, throw all the villains in. Yeah. <laughs> just, we might not get another chance. There is no way that had a last. And you look at how they did it with the Ultimate Universe, and it was paced, and it was maybe they just learned. Um, but the first story up for Spider Man, seven issues, and. Was there a villain in it? Well, I guess there's Osborne. And, the, and yeah, he becomes a goblin. But that's it. Seven issues. Like, oh, that's pace. Right. You've got a completely different approach to it. And they modernise that storytelling. But even now, you could go back to someone new and say, all right, you want to get into Spider-Man from the start? Go back to Ultimate, because that was a much more modern method of storytelling. Yeah. The modern style. It's set in a modern day America. It's not set in nineteen sixty in the nineteen sixties. He has with internet. Mary Jane coming in yeah. every so often, dancing yeah. <laughs> in the living room for no apparent reason. <laughs> um, so I do, I do think there is a benefit to starting again, but they need to have a clear ending. Like it looks from an outsider's perspective, when they had Flashpoint, no one was ready. No one was really ready for it. Let's just let's just do it now. Really? But I was in the middle of. No, I can't finish my story. <laughs> what? Yeah, I Whereas, jumped off I for, for a year or two. That was a jumping off point for I me. Don't blame you. Because, I can see how that would have. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. be a you know your your classic single issue Wednesday Warrior um, uh, comic shop <laughs> patron, and um, it was I really I really enjoyed the Jeff Johns. Time, little bit of time that he was doing with Superman with the Bizarro, not Bizarro, the Brainiac story 
and then when uh, he went with the Legion, it was it was cool stuff that he was doing, right? I liked it. And then when they when they brought the city of Candor out of the bottle, and now you've got all these Kryptonians. Like, okay, this is inter- this hasn't happened before. I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Um, it just went on too long, and. It, it just, it, they had it in Supergirl and they had it in this book and, and Superman wasn't, was only in this book and then in this, it was just, uh, I, I like this in the beginning because you made it a weekly book in a way like they had during the death of Superman years with a triangle to kind of follow, here's the order. So there was that nostalgia, I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I remember what this was like, it just went on too long to the point where... It, and it brought it came to the point where this is just ending with you saying it doesn't even matter. You're just restarting it. Okay. So it, it, it bothered me in in a in a childish way. Like, Mother, you're changing everything. Screw you, you know. But in the end you I I came back to the to the store because I don't like feeling left out. <laughs> FOMO. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that for me, that's the biggest thing that DC has going is the uh, the evergreen titles. Little bit easier place to introduce, like as a as an appetizer. Here, try this. See what uh, you think. Yeah. Whereas if you are really at the same time as Civil War, I actually bought the the four minis, the OMAC. Uh, I can't remember what they were. Villains United. And I and I read Infinite Crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it it was a lot. It is a lot. So Take- as that comparison that comparison really stuck with me for a long time, and I'm trying to then jump back and get into it, especially like Crisis. And they're going, but it's so exciting because you got everyone there. Like I don't. That's why I don't know what's going on. It's too much. It's too much. Yeah. Um, Zero Hour. I thought was too much. A lot of those big events. It's just lots of characters, and I don't know who any of them are. They're 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 almost like Christopher Nolan movies. Catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. You just don't get it. You just don't get it. But you know, <laughs> if only you got it, because you've got some podcasts where people yeah. can can. I've listened to uh, an episode. I don't know if you've ever heard of Comic Geek Speak, which was one of the first comic book podcasts. It's a really good library of episodes as far as like people roundtable talking about stuff. Some really good yeah. takes on it. Um, but one of the the hosts of the show and the founder of the show love George Perez and Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like they just love it, and they spent three hours talking about the cover. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, wow. yeah. So, and, and one of the guys wrote his whole thesis on that miniseries, like his college thesis in like English literature really? about, yeah, Crisis on Infinite Earths and, and all of the, the symbolisms and the philosophy and whew, over my head. And I like that kind of stuff, but yeah, it, it's, it's got that catch up. If you don't get it sort of feel sometimes, but I guess, I guess comics can have that thing that's why a lot of people don't get into them right just yeah, for weirdos there is like a certain that. amount of what well, is part of the fascination isn't it when you pick up an issue of daredevil and he references something and he say yeah you need for that you know see daredevil issue 87 like oh, okay yeah 
I like I really like that. That was part of the appeal. Right. So it just depends who you're looking at. I think like in terms of that level of commitment, mm-hmm. it's probably not as many people that will have that, which is why it will always be well, it will never quite be mainstream. You get people that look at the like I don't want to heart packs to the Marvel Cinematic Universe all the time. But you look at the size of that now. Yeah. There are some people that still haven't seen any of it. And and they just don't know where to start. And it's probably too late. Ah. <laughs> so, you know, for, for some, um, or they don't want to watch a certain one. I go, if I don't want to watch that one, will I understand this? Oh, I might just leave it. And I think that's where you, we'll start to see whether or not people, they can maintain it. Yeah, I think um, we're at that point. I think you're right. With the yeah. Marvel movies, I think we're at a point where people are like, well, do I have to watch? What's a Shang-Chi? And I th- we're yeah. excited. We're excited. I think we think it's great. I'm so happy that this is happening. And I'm not a huge, like, Shang-Chi fan to say that I've read so much and I need to see this and that. I- I- I'm going with no expectation, but I'm- I love the fact that we live in a world where any character you can tell a cool story about. Like, nothing's off the table. And I know that's what you hate about it. <laughs> At the same time, if they said... They're going to make a Death's Head film. I'd go, or even just he appearing in a in a one of the films. I'd go, like, oh, leave him alone. Okay, I'm go- I'm going. I'm going on there. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see Death's Head. Yeah, like I want to see Machine Man. I I never thought we would live in a a, a time where Thanos is a household name. Yeah, it's funny though when people were all saying oh, Thanos was right. So like this is so weird. It's 1991 again. Right, and it's weird to like been ahead of the curve in that way. Yeah, but yeah, it's bizarre. People are talking about Thanos. Like, I remember at that kids' theme park the other the other day uh, with my my daughters. I looked around and there are so many Marvel items of clothing on parents, on the kids, um, on bags, on whatever. That there is still that cynical comic geek part of me that I don't like. That goes, I bet, like hardly any of you have read a comic. Yeah, but like. Does it matter? Like it's it's nice that these things are persisting. Yeah, yeah. It's just it'll be, it'd be nice instead if they persisted in the right way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice if, laughs> I didn't say that. It'd be nice if comics survive. Yeah. Um, now, now you've got to. Now you've really got to. Uh, it's almost like a special code to to really test the person's metal. Like, do you really know what you're talking? Like, I see you wearing a Marvel hat. But you know, uh-huh. what's what's the secret handshake to see if somebody? <laughs> oh, we need to work that out. What's your favorite X Men run? You know, and oh, I've uh-huh. never read. I don't know a cartoon. Nah, you know, you don't know. It's that dark hole, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the for people. It's the movies. They realize they love this stuff because the movies. And you know what? That's cool. It's it's yeah, cool. It is. And once people get on the on the boat of, of finding comics to read, a lot of times the addiction comes through. If they get the yeah. language, it, it's it's hard yeah. not to it's hard to deny it. What what are some of the things you've been reading before I let you go? Because I know it's it's late there for you. But what are some of the things you could recommend to me to read? Um, I'm so, one thing I keep I asked you a few times actually just when we chat. Yeah, yeah. On on Instagram, yeah. which was, did you read the tie-ins to Invincible? No. I have never read the times. I just read the whole series. I have the the compendiums, but not the times because yes. they're not included. I was, I was reading 
Invincible Universe recently. It's Guardians, Guardian the Globe wasn't that great, but Invincible Universe is really good fun, and it's it's the Guardians of the Globe again. But it's um, I don't know what it is. It's just a different. Oh, it's because it's like one one and two part stories that do all kind of link. Oh, okay. But they're just nice character focused stories. Okay. So I'm still working my way through. This is like the last of the tie-in stuff. And I did, yeah, I did like that. That was good fun. How far are you um, into the series? I'm in, I've just finished The Death of Everyone, which is what, issue 102 is the end of that storyline. So know. I've got about 40 something issues left. Buckle up. Buckle up. I oh. hope I hope the landing sticks for you. I hope it it you know doesn't fall off. But at, uh, at this point, they could do pretty much anything, and I've I've learned to love it so much. The I'm art doing, just oh, gets better. That's 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 what's my favorite the art thing. Is insane. Yeah, it's insane. It's so good. Like the coloring is really good as well. Like the, it's just all it's just beautiful to look at. Um, and I love the characters. Like I love Atom Eve. Yeah. And um, I'm still, there's a part of me still trying to figure out, um, Mark Grayson, like, what's your deal? Who, who are you? And he's kind of figuring that out himself, I guess, which is the, the interesting thing about him. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. I read um, Postal as well, which was, uh, it was an image series. And it was really popular around the same time as Revival. So it was kind of in that top 100 comics of the year arena. Um, that was a bit of an odd one. So that was about a town of criminals that's kind of off the map and they're trying to keep it on the lowdown. And it was a really interesting concept and it didn't really play with it enough. Like their, their lead characters was, was autistic as well. And like in terms of in terms of understanding autism, it's almost like one of the first times I've seen a, an autistic lead character. Well, that's a really, really interesting stuff. But it just sort of fizzled at the end. Um, which was a real shame. What was but, the series? Um, yeah. What was it called? Postal. 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 Okay, mm. I've heard of it. I've seen. I've seen it on the shelf. Yeah. Bit of an odd one, but this is. I'm. I'm still liking trying those random books. Like yeah. I, I, I did get that Pinocchio Vampire Slayer one that I mentioned last time we spoke, but I haven't read it yet. Um, and I got the new, um, the Rick Remender, Death or Glory collected edition haven't read it yet but this is all the stuff that's appealing to me more it's like I just want out of like a nice contained story thing. yeah yeah I yeah. get it I, sometimes you go through those spells where uh, yeah I just want to read 15 issues of a full vision story and uh-huh. say here read this this is a great book in a way you know sometimes yeah. that's that's a it's very satisfying and I and I try to read something like that in between like my long omnibus reads those runs where you're in the space of of these characters for so long that you break it up and it's like okay here's something different i i uh, tried out i remember you didn't finish it and i was disappointed by the superman i think it's up in the sky the one that yes. tom king and Kubert did i remember you saying you couldn't get through it and i was looking forward to it because i like tom king i like superman and yeah. all the all the cast of the book um it had moments. I just didn't understand why, like I didn't get the motivation. Ultimately, I just didn't. I didn't buy it. Did you finish it? I finished it, 
it was very sweet. It had a lot of heart. Um, it, 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 Superman's character, it's like, yeah, that's, that's every kid's hope would be to be rescued by him and that you're important enough to be rescued by Superman. Spoilers in a, to the plot in a way, but Superman stops everything he's got to do to save one missing child, which is beautiful. Because every child, you know, should be should be loved, <laughs> but it just there is this obsession that you had to buy into that I just couldn't buy into. I couldn't I couldn't buy into Superman's obsession with this thing, at the sacrifice of everything else. That's the thing; it's the sacrifice of everything else, and that grated on me. I think so much. I thought I don't even want to finish this now. Yeah, and there could be a perfect ending, but I'm so it's putting me off this character. Like a lot of the DC, the modern day DC stuff that I was reading with Batman was putting me off the character. The Tom King is, stuff. The Tom King stuff, the metal stuff. Yeah. He is Batman is is the DC universe's biggest villain at the moment. He is the root cause of everything that seems to go wrong. Like that's how can this be a good thing? Mm-hmm. It's just odd, and it's not sitting right with me. Whereas I'd much rather go back. I've, I've literally just started DC One Million. And I have no idea what to expect. Um, (laughs) So I'm just going to see where it goes. But it's just that whole feel of like the late 90s stuff. It's just so much nicer than metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what am I really... This is a mess. Yeah. I'd rather a mess that tries to be positive than a mess that's just cynically nasty. Yes, I agree. I've I've hit your... (laughs) any sense. The way that you um, stopped reading Marvel after um, Secret War. Mm-hmm. I've done the same with uh, DC after whatever Scott Snyder did with Justice League, which was his way of um, doing Jonathan Hickman, an Avengers take. Right. It's what it yeah, felt like. Okay. I don't know if you read it. And so yeah, I liked some of, I like some of the concepts. I like some of the, you know, okay, this is pretty big in scope and it really is a game changer. And you made the team lose so that I can read death metal. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done. And every every news item that comes up with DC just doesn't interest me anymore. No, it's, it's really sad. I feel very much the same way now with DC. Um, <clears throat> I'm not interested. I think there are, I, I've, I've pre-ordered the Batman bits because I can't stop myself and it's Tomasi on the main title. I haven't read any of the, of his stuff yet. You know, it's his second run, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, that's it. And I think I've pre-ordered Green Lantern, but otherwise I'm not picking anything up from no. DC. And it's, I find it a little bit, I'm in, in a weird way, more heartbreaking than when I dropped Marvel after 30 years. Yeah. Um, it's been far less time, but I was just getting into it. And it's like, oh, you kind of, you haven't just, ruined it a bit here and there you've killed it across the board feels it's like it's yeah it feels like yeah. it feels like they, they they've self-destructed or they said okay this is it guys we're just gonna press the self-destruct button and uh where the, wherever the chips may fall they fall maybe we'll be owned by marvel by the end of all this because <laughs> yeah. you know that's what it feels like and it's thankfully they've got a library of of series that you can read which is nice, like, and everything's collected. So I'm I'm catching up on a lot of the stuff that I missed out on, and seeing seeing what's the, Hawkman actually 
I'm looking at it now. Hawkman from Venditti was a good series, self-contained, really good series that is uh, somewhat reverential to all of the DC universe in a way. And and where he have you read it at all? No, but um, someone else mentioned it on something recently, and I thought like oh, I want to get that because it's what's it like four volumes? Four volumes complete. It's good. It's it's yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm gonna try it. Yeah, give give the first and the first uh, two arcs are Venditti and Hitch every issue. So you get a twelve oh, issue. Yeah, you get a full twelve issue uh, story from Robert Venditti and Brian Hitch. And Brian wow. Hitch loved working on it. So yeah, it's it's cool. That'd okay. be my recommend That's to you. Sold. Okay. Thank you kindly. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> thank you again for being on the show. I wish we could keep going, but I know it's not early there for you. Uh, we got to do this again soon. It's always a blast. Well, happy to. It's already been yeah. an hour and 40 of recording and it didn't. I was like, where did the time go? That's great. I hope it felt like that for you. I hope it wasn't like, oh my God. I don't notice it go by, but like, yeah, it's just really nice. I still, every time, just really nice just to be able to chat about this stuff. Yeah, that's great. And thank you so much for the, uh, for the kind words on your, on your Facebook, not your Facebook, but on your social media, your Instagram. You always say very nice things about the podcast. I appreciate it. No worries. It's a pleasure. It's, 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 um, just as much fun to listen to and look because you've just got such positive vibes about comics as a whole and everyone I've actually pointed to to listen to when we chat it's kind of like it's just so nice to hear people just talk about stuff and be excited about stuff even if I'm not reading comics yeah it's just it's a nice feel so it's it's nice to be able to share share the spread the word and um thank you as well just for, for having me on you know so you never know where where it leads to right because now I'm gonna have, I might have Stephen Mitchell on again uh, in the near future. Because that went well, so you never know. Nice. So you never know. You never know. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes from the Cave of Solitude. We're gonna try our best to continue having uh, fun, engaging conversations, and having a mixture of of new guests and old guests that we just love having. And thank you again to uh, Dave Molyneux for being on the show. Uh, stay safe. And enjoy the summer, everybody. Stay safe and have a lot of fun. Talk to you soon.